This is Kevin Evans with the Crossroads Assembly of God chapter by chapter live class. And I'm talking very slowly to get my esteemed colleagues to quiet down and get focused so that we can study Luke chapter 12, or at least finish Luke chapter 12 today. And then we're going to start on Luke chapter 13. Wait, now, we did, we did not. And I know this because when I started studying this last night, I couldn't remember for the life of me where we finished. And I keep looking at the notes, and, and I couldn't remember teaching this, and I couldn't remember teaching that. So I uh, thought the only place that I could just be... I, I've got a pen now, so it's going to be okay now. Thank you, Ron. Um, I, I, I went on to the church website, and I have never actually listened to these recordings before, I mean, other than when we first started. And uh, I pulled it up, and it was, it was actually pretty easy to get to, and it looked nice. And I know people that are listening to this already know that because they just, you know, did it. But uh, there, there are four different classes that are being recorded. And uh, of the four people that are recording classes, I'm the only one that is not ordained. And I have mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings about that. First of all, I feel kind of you know cool that I'm hanging out with this heady class of people that are all <laughs> ordained people. I'm holding my own with preachers. But the other side, it's kind of it's kind of intimidating. So uh, I hope that uh, I'm holding up to the standards of the other recordings. I didn't listen to all of them. I thought about listening to your father's Andrew, but then you know I listen to him all the time. So oh, Kenny's here. Yay! And even more people. Oh, don't close the door on her, Jennifer. How rude you are. Okay, okay. Come right on in. Grab a chair. Yo, you have to sit at the table. It's required. Okay. And, uh, So I listen to myself, and, and here's the thing. Uh, first of all, you know how when you listen to your own recording, you don't sound like you sound? You know, you think you sound away, but everybody else hears you differently. So the recording is how everybody else hears you, but that's not how you hear yourself. Does that make sense? Your voice I, sounds naturally deeper in your own head. I if you say so. I don't know if it was deeper. It was just different. Uh, like really yeah. And so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have that experience a lot, too. But uh, to, to be fair, I thought, I don't know who this guy is. And then I listened to him a little bit, and I thought, wow, he's actually pretty pretty good at what he does. That's, that's amazing. He's a, he sounds really smart. I, I think I like that. I might sit around listening to this guy. This is, this is actually kind of cool. And uh, so, you know, I thought, well, that, that's a good thing. You know, actually, I think, I think it worked all right. When, you know, he didn't sound like me. Uh, anyway. Uh, and also, I noticed that uh, I come over this microphone really well, but it's got kind of a short throw. I thought it was longer. And so if Jennifer is back on the other side of that table and she says something on the recording, it's going to come through. Yeah, just like that. And it's, uh, yeah. What, what? Let me should repeat the question. Uh, yeah, right. And I think, I think I may have to uh, uh, repeat what you just said, or I'm going to have to hand the microphone over. Uh, we can't work two tables this way, you know. So, uh, but get, thank you very much for coming. Well, you're you certainly welcome. No, no, thank you, sir. Uh, we've got a note thing if you want to slide it over that direction. We're, we're going to finish up chapter 12. 
Okay, and we finished up because I listened to myself uh, on verse 48, which is kind of the theme oh. of chapter 12, and then we were going to pick it up at verse 49. Okay, well, it's our tickets. Just mine. Oh, I got it. What, Kenny? 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 Kenny has something to say. Here's uh, the microphone. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lame dad joke. You know, it's you know, <laughs> you, you know, it's cooler than a uh, hypocrite. What, Kenny? Uh, what? A hypocrite. Because uh, yep. uh, you said hypocrite <laughs> last uh, session. Uh, <laughs> I said what? I I didn't realize that I mispronounced that word. Again, I'm not sure how I feel about this. Okay. All right. We thank you, thank you for getting us on track, Lester. That's what Lester's for. This will be drift. Yeah, Lester's like the stern dad of the group. He's right? the only one in the room that doesn't have ADD. Yeah. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> everyone's laughing nervously I, because evidently that is a nerve. We're being recorded. The internet is hearing us right now. Yeah. We are brown all, and juicy. All, stop. <laughs> all three people, yes. Actually, I don't know, because I usually count on Kenny being one of those three people out there, so I guess it's okay. down to two. Well, listen to it anyways. you got to boost our ratings. You've got to beat uh, whoever well, the Verse 49. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, we are in Luke chapter 12, verse 49. And this is the middle section of Luke where... Luke presents a whole bunch of parables that Christ shared and teachings that Christ shared. And Luke presents them as Christ is traveling toward Jerusalem. And that was probably true. And he probably did preach a lot along the way. And he is, these are probably all parables that Christ has shared on multiple occasions. And Luke is writing these down secondhand. So he's kind of fitting this story together. And so he'll tell this parable, and then he'll have this little setup for it. But I believe that he had a note for those setups, because, you know, when I'm researching something I'm writing, I want to have a lot of references to make sure I get it right. And uh, in, even in ancient society, they were very careful about making sure, to, about not misquoting someone, because then everybody would challenge you. You, know, you, you, you were tested on everything that's read. Uh, anyway, uh, we are dead. We're uh, he Christ is sharing parables, and we shall be picking this up at verse forty-nine. Um, and it reads, "I have come to bring fire on the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled! But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is completed. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division." From now on, there will be five on one family divided against each other, three against two, and two against three. They will be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Hashtag relatable. <laughs> and then he goes on to another thing. So, yeah, tell, tell me about the family drama. Why, why is Christ... Uh, 
thought, I thought Christ was love. Why is he not bringing peace? Why is Christ promising to bring division and strife? Because the Bible demands change, the message of Jesus demands you to change and not remain the same and remain stagnant in who you are. And naturally, people feel convicted and threatened by that message anyways, which causes division regardless. Yeah. That was a really intelligent yeah, answer exactly. coming from exactly. Nathan Sample. Exactly. Oh my goodness, I'm stunned. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, Christ is bringing his message, and things are going to change, like you said. And he's about to make his great sacrifice, and he's sending out his disciples, already has, to go witness on their own to, wit to, to evangelize the world. And uh, they're going to be, cause trouble. And half of the family is going to convert, and the other half of the family isn't. And you're going to end up fighting with your relatives over Thanksgiving dinner, over your religious interpretations. Oh. And, and, and this has gone on for, for thousands of years. With it. Yes. Yeah, hashtag, hashtag Thanksgiving, hashtag family drama, and so on and so forth. Thank you. Hashtag shop till you drop. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't understand that last part. So, so... Christ as I'm assuming this is a really specific division and I think he used this expression several times as he was preaching I think you know he, he's promising division he's telling his disciples that it's not going to be a cakewalk and it's not going to be lovey-dovey people have to make sacrifices and change and their lives are going to adjust and it's that's never simple you know, so so there you go, and he's preparing them for what's coming, and all kinds of strife came. None of the apostles uh, died old men, comfortable in their own beds, comfortable in their own beds. Right. All of the disciples were were uh, well, they were executed in one way or another. John did live to be an old man, mm -hmm. but to be fair, he was boiled alive and then uh, survived it. And then he was sent as a prisoner out to where he wrote the Revelation of John. I, I personally feel this is oh, Gospel of Kevin again. We're talking about John the oh, Apostle. Yeah. Oh, okay. the John the Apostle wrote the book of, Re well, actually he wrote his gospel late in life too, but he also wrote the revelation of John through a vision as an old man. And I think God preserved him for that book. God needed that book in the Bible. And so John didn't die in the boiling pot like, you know, he could have. Okay, I don't know what that expression was, Matthew, I apologize. All right. Um, so uh, that's so strife is coming. That's that's the point of uh, everything through verse fifty-three. All right, verse fifty-four. He said to the crowd, "I don't know what crowd that is, but there was a crowd around them, yeah. wherever he was. Like maybe it's, like this crowd. It's, it's a little jumbled in this section." Uh, he said to the crowd, when you see a cloud rising in the west, immediately you say, it's going to rain, and it does. And when the south wind blows, you say, it's going to be hot, and it is. Hypocrites! Did I pronounce that correctly, Kenny? Yep, I, hippo. It seems really important to you. 
you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky. How is it you don't know how to interpret this present time? Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? Are you going with your adversary to the magistrate? Try hard to be reconciled to him on the way, or he may drag you off to the judge, and the judge turn you over to the officer, and the officer throw you in prison. I tell you, you will not get out of you until you have paid the last penny. What does that mean? They can judge the weather. They know what weather is coming. But they can't judge what's happening. what's happening socially in their environment. They can't judge what's happening spiritually and what's to come. Christ is telling them specifically what to expect and they're not getting it. I guess they, they understand the natural but not the spiritual. Yes. And then he has this judgment bit. Why don't you judge for yourselves what is right? As you are going with your adversary to the magistrate, try hard to be reconciled with him on the way, or he may drag you off to the judge, and then the judge is going to take all your stuff and throw you in prison. Excellent. I didn't like it anyways. So, so hypothetically, Nathan and I get into a big argument. That's never happened before. And Nathan feels that I owe him some money. And, I, and he does. That was a very specific number. Where did that come from? I, I, I just want to say for posterity and in the recording that I owe Nathan nothing right now. No, you really don't. Okay. you bought me enough lunch, I owe you. Oh, thank you. Well, I appreciate that caveat there. Uh, let's say hypothetically that uh, Nathan feels that I owe him some money. Instead, uh, what, what Christ is suggesting is that Nathan not take me into court and sue me for the difference. I mean, it's not really worth If we have two Christians in church and we've got a beef, what's the best way to settle that problem? Uh, Breakdancing competition. Okay. Interesting, but no. No. Not wrong, but one-on-one. -on -one. <laughs> yeah, and and if you can't settle it, if you can't settle it just personally by being good people, then you need an arbitrator. Preferably, I don't know, someone from the church that you both trust. Church leadership. Yeah, and then and, and that arbitrator can make a decision and work out a deal, and so that and we need to settle our problems among ourselves and not go sue each other in court. So, so it's not cool if I get you, Kevin, and then uh, then we lift you a little something on the side so you can be more on my side. That's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel that some corruption might take place in that? Well, yeah. I think there are, there's corruption in the civil yeah, courts no too. Yeah, yeah, no in other words, drop you a few hundred. I would like to believe that that, that would be less likely among a Christian fellowship than elsewhere. Yeah. Although I have nothing to substantiate that. By the yeah. way, I'm pretty cynical. If pupils are dilated, or even maybe. Do you think it's better? I would rather have a decision from uh, a pastor that I trust, notice yeah. I added that little caveat on the end, mm -hmm. than I would just a generic judge, because personally, I don't trust anybody in government. You know what I'm saying? cynical. I am. That's a good thing. I've, I've earned my cynicism. 
slamming all judges everywhere. I'm just saying, I think Christians need to take care of their business in-house. With a bat. And and, <laughs> and, and, and and not go air your dirty laundry in public. I think families need to take care of their business in-house. Well, we all do that. You know? In your house? We, we if necessary. <laughs> we do have that octagon in the gym. That's right. That's right, too. Okay, okay. We got, you know, we got a plan. you need to settle your family differences whichever way works for your family. And I know yeah. families where the best way to settle it is everybody forms a circle. Everybody, you know. There are a lot, there are a lot, a lot of brothers in that family, but you know, in the end, it's settled, and, so, and, and we move on. Right. And I would rather it go down that way than in court. Best way to do it, baseball. I am not advocating violence, by the way, yeah, internet. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying, settle your differences your own way. Yeah. Okay. So, in other words, what this part of the passage is trying to get at is try to. It's y'all's business. Y'all settle it. Yes. Yeah. I think that sums it up nicely. Yeah. All right. Hi. I'm sorry. I thought I had visitors coming in. What's your name? Susan. Susan. Hi, Susan. I should have said hello when you came in, and I didn't, and I, I was being rude. Uh, I got a personal testimony. I want to say quickly, when we can get down to bless you, Holy Spirit, I want to speak personal testimony. Okay. Uh, we are... Well, that wow. clock doesn't work, does it? What time is it? Uh, I just set that clock early. It's just 10. I need new batteries, I think. It's not a good one. Then I will give you the mic just before we finish, okay? And uh, I will try to stop. We may not make the whole chapter. All right, we are, uh, this begins chapter 13, mm -hmm. and uh, so we're going to venture straight on into that, and uh, the first segment is chapter, is verses 1 through 9, and so again, this is Christ teaching as he's walking toward Jerusalem, and uh, Luke actually references several things that happened on this, as he was walking in. Uh, so, verse 1, chapter 13. Now, there was some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And I listened, to, I, when I first read that, I thought, gross. That makes no sense at all. Um, Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Are those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. Then he told them a parable. And I'm going, oh, is that part of the same thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit in this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should I use it up? Why should I use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, 
then I'll cut it down. And the other synoptic gospels have versions of this same teaching. So I think Christ gave this teaching about fertilizing this fig tree several times. He even cursed a fig tree and it died at one point. So, uh, and I think that's kind of illustrating the same point. All right, so he tells this parable in order to illustrate what they were asking him about this political event and I tried to find out what Galileans he's talking about, and there is no historical reference. This is all we know about this. But evidently, Pilate, who was the Roman governor of Jerusalem, just the city, he's like the in-house mayor, but he's Roman and not Jew. Uh, he's the guy that washed his hands when they crucified Christ later. He uh, executed several Jews, and to make his point, he crucified them on the Sabbath at the same time as the temple is offering sacrifices, which is an insult to the religious leaders, which is very in character for a Roman governor. He's making a point, and they were offended. Why would Pilate crucify people during during the sacrifices, how, how, how sacrilegious is that? Well, I suspect because whatever they were charged with was religious in nature, and it was, he was spitting in the eye of the Pharisees. That's exactly what he was doing. And so these Pharisees, uh, and it doesn't say they're Pharisees, maybe it's just the people, are questioning Christ about it. Oh my goodness, did you hear about the controversy? They're asking him about a local event. Yeah. Ironically, how it parallels that they're going to crucify Christ. Interesting, during, isn't it? Yeah, during... And there's a big fuss over the Sabbath, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, it's a foreshadowing too, isn't it? Yes. I didn't pick up on that. How bright of you, Kenny. Thank you. Uh, that's Albert Einstein. No, that's what? I noticed you didn't jump in with the little parallel. <laughs> okay. Uh, what does that mean, Andrew? Please. So... There is also an understanding, there's this general Jewish belief that everybody gets what's coming to them. Because God is infinitely just. And if God has a good person, then he's going to heap blessings upon that good person. And if you are a bad person, then you don't get blessings heaped upon you. In fact, you get cursed. So if you are poor, and if you are sickly, if you have a birth defect from birth, then it is because you are evil, according to the Jews. And that justifies how they treat people. So if you're a rich guy and you're walking downtown and poor people are asking you for money, well, those are evil people because they're poor. Does that make sense? That way you can justify keeping all the cash in your pocket. You don't have to be generous. If you're generous to poor people, you're just aiding evil. Right? So there's that idea. So people are saying uh, that these people that were crucified were guilty. Since the Romans got hold of them, and since the Romans crucified them, then they must have done something wrong, or God wouldn't have allowed that to happen. So we don't need to mourn the people that bad things happen to. Because God punishes evil. Does that make sense, this logic that they have? 
Now, the flaw with that logic, of course, is that it's, it's not true, and bad things do happen to good people, and always have. And the only people that say that are people trying to justify not caring for their brethren, like God, God asked Cain to do. You know, from the beginning, we've been responsible for each other. That's kind of the point of being here. So, they're questioning him on this, this very basic existential level of, of humanity. So, were they evil, Jesus? And he says, no. Nor were the 18 people that were killed in a collapse of some tower that I could not find a reference for either. If there's one in there, I, didn't, I only hunted for five minutes. So, if there's one, I, I think the email of Andrew that it's very possible. But I, I don't really know what the Tower of Siloam is. But some, somehow there was an industrial accident. And 18 people got crushed. Those things happen. We have massive car wrecks down in Dallas. And 10 people are killed. You hear those stories. That's, it, it's something like that. So these are innocent. Yeah, these are, these are people that were, were just minding their own business and doing their own thing. And tragedy happens and they were killed. So, you know, naturally the Pharisees are saying, oh my goodness, they were killed. Therefore, something, they did something to deserve being killed. God has given his judgment on these people. And you've got a five-year-old that was standing there next to his mother and, you know, got caught in a natural disaster and died. What did the five-year-old do? Well, see, that's kind of the point. And so God, Christ is challenging this, superstition. this kind of a superstitious concept that the Jews have introduced in their teaching, the Pharisees in particular, to justify the way their society functions. So uh, they're under the oppression of the Romans who, who do not value human life and delight in torture. It's not a pretty picture being under the Romans. Some uh, Christianity held on to some of that superstition. Sure. Like birth defects. And, uh, and actually, this kind of reminds me yeah. of so the karma concept yeah. from Hinduism, where uh, in the caste system they'll say, "Oh, don't help help these people. They're trying to uh, get rid of their bad karma." Yeah, it, it, which justifies the same behavior. Mm -hmm. It's a way of justifying the disparities in society and allowing you to not be kind, you know, right. and, and keep all your own stuff. Which inside is what we all want to do anyway. I really want to keep my own. Things, you know. I'm sorry, I'm analyzing myself as I'm staring at Kitty. <laughs> no, you're judging me. <laughs> All right, let me try to explain the complicated thought I just had. I um, managed to have a gig two weeks ago, and uh, it was district for UIL, and because I'm a retired teacher and have worked with UIL a lot, I. For one week, I am a judge in high demand, and they actually paid me to come out and judge UIL meets, Ron, and I had four meets in one week, and uh, it was a really good week, and uh, I was rarely home, and I made some money, and then it was over, and nobody cares about me anymore. It's like, it's like one week, I am very important, and then I'm gone. Anyway, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, part of what I was judging was LD debate, and I'm very familiar with this competition. And 
in the third flight of any LD is what's called a flip round, and I, as the judge, have to decide who's going to argue which side. <laughs> and so I all, I, I've done this so many times, I've ironed it out to a little sugar stick routine that I do, and I always carry a big coin. And, I, and when I was teaching, I, I, I had these, these coins, and I would collect coins because I would have to flip them, and I wanted something big and monstrous that nobody was going to argue with, you know, with the big heads and tails. And I've got old silver dollars and commemorative coins and stuff like that. Well, I've, I've gathered these and my father kind of collected coins and I have this, I have this kind of an old jewelry case in my closet that I keep kind of hidden. And uh, I go dig through that and find a good coin before I go to a debate. And I was putting it back this morning, the one from the debate because I didn't want to carry it around because it was an old Ike, and, uh, which is a silver dollar. And uh, I started looking through all my coins and, and Kenny, I had this weird, I felt like a pirate. Because I had this, I had this box. Treasure chest. And it was, it literally is a treasure chest. I have this tiny little treasure, and I've got all the, and I'm going through all my coins, and, 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 and I'm going, oh, look, I'm looking at that one. Oh, I, I, ooh, I can't believe it. Oh, I'm going to hide this. I don't want anybody to see it. And I, it's, it was like, it was like there was this part of me that turned into this criminal, and I'm hoarding my stuff. And I'm thinking, it's a bunch of old coins in the jewelry box. Why am I getting so excited? And it does. It might work a lot. And I'm, I'm digging through it and I find this coin I hadn't seen before. Obviously, I've seen it before. It wouldn't have been in my box, you know. And, and, but I'd forgotten about it. I thought, oh, that was cool. I should have used that. I thought, no, no. Because then they'd want it. And somebody would steal my coin. And I don't want, I don't want them to steal my coin. Sound like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. I turned in the Gollum from Lord of the Rings for about four minutes this morning. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a very real human greedy part of me that I, I surprise myself when I tap in. Uh, I, I hope, so. I hope so. Otherwise, I'm in real trouble if, if, if I'm the only one that behaves that way. Um, now, why did I tell you that story? You were talking about greed. Number six. I lost my train of thought. Okay, just, just jumping back into it. I'm not sure how that story applied. All right, so uh, here we go. Um, he, we talk about these two incidents where innocent people are killed. And then he talks about this fig tree. And he says, you don't need to worry about those innocent people. Do you think they deserved all of that? Uh, bad things are going to happen to you too. Repent. So he, 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 he twists these two local events into, you need to get your act together. You don't know what's going to happen to you. They didn't deserve that. I think that's what he's saying. But it could happen to you too. You know, a building could fall on you. You could be driving down in Dallas, minding your own business, and find yourself in the middle of a massive car accident that you can't get out of, you know? Uh, you know, in an 18-car pileup, does car number six have a choice? Did car number six do anything wrong? You know, if there's a diesel in front of you and a diesel behind you, and they're both skidding, and you're under control, it doesn't matter, you know? Uh, bad we don't know what fate holds for us. Get your act together. Repent. 
That's the point. That's the point. No, so no, I guess no. I need to report <coughs> repent of my greed. I'm trying. Is that the now when your day is coming? Are you being worthy of all that? Yes. <coughs> what, what was that? You don't know when your day is coming, so you need to be ready. Ready all the time. I thought you said greedy all the time, and I thought, no, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, um, <coughs> well, Lester, you need to repent for remitting to greed. No, so he tells this story about the fig tree, and the fig tree needs to, uh, it needs to be either torn out, you're either going to be cast away for being useless, or you need to make yourself useful. So, you know, it's, he's saying there's hope. So that's what the, the, the fig tree parable means. At least I think so. And so um, we get to verse 10. Uh, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, which is what you do on the Sabbath. And a woman was there who had been crippled by, by a spirit for 18 years. She was in his life class, like now, and uh, uh, listening to his, Jesus teach. She was bent over and would not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called far forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And Jesus did this on purpose all the time. Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So Christ is doing good things for people. And I, notice what this guy did. Okay, let me finish reading. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Did I pronounce that correctly? Okay, thank you. Uh, doesn't each of you in the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead to give it water? Uh, then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free in the Sabbath day from what bound her? Then he, when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. Okay, first of all, let's go back to the synagogue leader. The synagogue leader is kind of, he's not a Pharisee, but he's kind of in league. He's like a low-level Pharisee. Uh, they were sort of like, uh, a synagogue is kind of a Jewish community center uh, where you can have church or a wedding or whatever, you know. So it's the Jewish YMCA? Uh, sure, <laughs> why not? It's not a bad analogy, actually. I'll take that. Uh, and so uh, he, he's, he, he may have been a Pharisee, but not necessarily. He's the guy with the keys to the building, and he's the guy that you have to get on the schedule with. That's basically, that's basically what he's there for. So he's there because they're having a, a religious meeting, and he's the guy that locks up, like me and Wednesday nights. That, that's pretty much it. So he's not super important. Uh, but he's throwing a fit because Christ is doing things that are not kosher, literally kosher. Spiritual. Yeah, it, it has, it's not the spiritual thing. It's not according to the, the traditions of Jewish leaders as far as what's, what's appropriate and what's labor on the Sabbath. And they have this detailed, complicated, extensive list of rules that you have to follow. And evidently, making people feel better on the Sabbath is one of those things. Or it could be interpreted to be one of those things because they always do it really broad so that the Pharisees could do whatever they want and still say, oh, well, it's okay. 
So he says, you know, if you're watering your animals on, on Sabbath, I think making her better is, is better than, more important than that. And they really can't argue with that. You know, otherwise they're saying that their animals are more, more valuable than this woman, which they're thinking, but they're not going to say it. <laughs> you know, you know. So uh, there's that. Now what I think is interesting is that the synagogue rulers. Well, okay. Li it, livestock is how they did their livelihood. Yes. Because it's money. It's all yeah, about money. money. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So if it has to do with money, then, then, then you're, you're fine. Yeah, yeah, you're fine, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I have thought of an example that follows that up. Uh, my esteemed, recently departed father-in-law, who was a minister of the gospel, and had his own church for years and years, had he he would I would get tongue lashed for not showing up on Sunday if you had pneumonia and were flat on your back and could not stand. You needed to be in church so that people could pray over you and make you better. And after you got prayed over, if you weren't ready to spring, you, you, you were required, whether you were healed or not, to spring up and sing three solos as hard and fast as you can to prove that sin, that sin cannot keep you down. You know, it was, it was bizarre. Okay, I'm sorry. I, no one's listening on the internet, so we can just, we can just pretend that that, that didn't happen. I had some issues with my father-in-law's approach to the Sabbath. So, so I had no excuse for ever missing church, ever, ever, ever. Unless I had a job. Oh, that's the one reason why it's okay. If you had a job and somebody was going to pay you for something on Sunday, according to my father-in-law, perfectly all right. Okay, so perfectly it's all right, right. to go perfectly. do a job, which is the opposite of what the Sabbath wanted you to do. Yes. But if you're dying in yes. bed, you're an, you're an yes. infidel. And I have theories about why that exception is acceptable with my father-in-law. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because because he's getting a slice of what you're earning. And so he's not dumb. Uh, you know, and, and I, I, my point is, yeah, exactly. That's the point. And, and, and I don't think that, that churches have changed. It's all about cash. They're like people, we, we Christians worship money a lot more than we want to admit that we And do. that's why everyone misquotes that scripture that says money is the root of all evil when it actually says the love of money is yes. the root to all evil. Yeah, but money is not the problem. It's no. how we approach sure. money. That's sure. true. Uh, so... Uh, this crippled woman, he heals her, and they're accusing it. No, no, what I, my point here was that, notice that the, that the, the synagogue ruler, the, the manager, he doesn't attack Christ. He doesn't say, you're healing on the Sabbath leader. He's not that brave. He's not a Pharisee. He's, a, 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 he's the guy with the keys by the door. He's the youth pastor. Yes. Yeah. He's not going to challenge Christ. Who does he fuss at? He fusses at the woman who came in on a Sabbath to the synagogue, which is what you're supposed to do. Don't come in here expecting to get healed on the Sabbath. Why is he fussing at the woman who got healed? She didn't do nothing. You know, he's, 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 he's running her off to punish her for what he's mad at Christ doing. It's, it's scapegoat blame. Yeah. 
you know? It, 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 wow. I have so many issues with this, you know? And so Christ takes him on and uh, basically says, you know, if you're going to water your donkey, then I'm good. And they were, they were humiliated. And, and I read, that seems like a strong word for what just happened. They were humiliated. It makes me wonder if this illustration of the donkey didn't go on for five minutes. You know, I th I'm feeling a rant for Jesus here. They were humiliated. Jesus is so blessed. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. So the people are loving it. And the Pharisees are challenged. And notice that, and we've talked about this before, as we're approaching the last week of what we call the Passion Play, he's raising the stakes with the Pharisees. He's pushing their buttons without any hesitation and without any apology every chance it comes up. He is, he's not worried about preserving himself. <clears throat> he knows it's coming. And he knows his ne next visit into Jerusalem is his last visit to Jerusalem. So he's not pulling any punches. And the, and the uh, Pharisees are mad because uh, they're taking the authority says, away from him. Okay, what you got? Uh, okay, hold that thought. What? The NLT says this shamed his enemies. In other words, they felt kind of shameful for what they... It may, it may, it may so be it's interpreting the Hebrew differently. Yeah. So, so maybe, it made them, maybe it made them go back and think back what they're doing. Yeah, I still... Maybe? Maybe, maybe. I don't know, maybe, maybe. it's a translation thing. I prefer the word humiliated. I, th I, think, okay. it was, I think it was strong. It was, you know, uh, it's, it's a chew out for mama when she's mad. That, okay. that, that's what I'm feeling here. Okay. okay, say that again. No? No. I'm sorry, Lester. Sorry. I, I, I ignored you, and, and now he no. doesn't want to defend himself. Jesus said it was about the same thing I was Okay. Oh. Um, um, how much time I got? Okay. Uh, we're gonna, let's do the next one, and then we'll probably stop. Uh, the parables of the mustard seed, this is at verse 18. When Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which is a man which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed with a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. So this has nothing to do with what just happened at the synagogue. This is another teaching about what kingdom of God is like, and he compares it to two different things. First of all, they're familiar with mustard trees and we're not. This is a Middle Eastern thing. And a mustard seed is stupidly small. It's like the, it's like the seed from a kiwi fruit. It's, it's really, really tiny. And when you dry them, it's, like, it's almost like sand. It's, it's just really tiny bits of grain. And so uh, you plant that and you get sprouts. And once you get the sprouts, you separate them out to cultivate the mustard seed. Because they're so small, you can't like individually plant them. You plant them in bunches. Uh, but then the mustard seed, tr mustard tree, is huge. And I, and I, and I would love to tell you exactly how huge, but I didn't look that up. I'm, I'm guessing oak tree, huge, sixty feet, huge. You know, and then and then they take the fruit off to to cultivate the mustard. I'm not even sure what the mustard. Anyway, it, um, it, it 
it's just a tree there, but we have a really, really small seed that grows into a really, really large tree. And evidently this is a kind of a cliched sort of a analogy that they use there. And so he's saying that that's what the kingdom of God is like. You have this small faith that grows into something bigger. This is, this is a seed that's growing and has no limit in how far it can go. And then he backs that up with a totally different metaphor. Uh, and he says yeast, the kingdom of God is, is yeast. This is a mustard tree. That, that's the size of an oak tree. Thank you for that picture. Yeah, mustard tree with people. Oh, okay. Um, so I'm guessing 40 feet? Yeah, probably. Okay, um, that's a big tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he says it's like yeast. And so for those anybody that's ever baked knows this. It's, there's a chemical reaction with yeast. And uh, once you get it wet, it starts putting off a gas. It's part of the, the, the process. And uh, you mix that in with dough, grain, and uh, instead of getting a cracker, you know, and you cook, you get this real sharp, crisp grain, you get this fluffy material called bread. And there's a big difference between a hard cracker and fluffy bread. And the only difference is yeast. So, so that's what the kingdom of God is like. So if you mix a bunch of Christians into the real world, we turn the world into something else. Is that what he's saying? For making the world better? Less hard? More fluffy? (laughs) More flavorable? Goes well with peanut butter? I don't know. Uh, So that's what the church is like. So we're not supposed to be apart from the world. We're in the world. And we're growing. It's like the yeast is actually growing yeah, too. Expands. And it expands. And that's what that's what he's doing. He's plant, Christ was planting seeds as many as he could. And, and we need to do the same thing and grow. So I guess the question is, how are you planting your seeds? And with that, it is 1020. Mm-hmm. And somebody wanted the microphone at the end of this lesson. So I'm going to stop this lesson here. We are going to pick up next week at verse 22. Don't stand up yet, Andrew. We're not finished. And uh, oh, remind me, Susie, is that what you said? Susan. Susan. I'm sorry, I was close. Uh, hand Susan the microphone, please. And uh, it's all you. All right. Um, I, first, I want to say that I had trouble with the passages about blessing the Holy Spirit because is a when I was younger I was into writing fan fiction stories and I would read I would look at Harry Potter's Spirit Witch Charmed and stuff like that and write stories based on it but as a writer I would have to think about that stuff all day and then write it and well see I didn't know stuff about spiritual stuff and how you can open doorways in your mind through stuff and especially worse today with all the demonic influences in TV and movies and books and stuff and I didn't know it back then and I attracted spirit of blasphemy in my mind and I had years of these thoughts well I didn't know it was a demon then but I used these thoughts where it was cursing out saying to the bad place with and all kind of statements to the Holy Spirit 
And as I said, and I just, so I had trouble with these Bible verses because it says if you speak a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven you. But if you speak a word against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven you. And so I had trouble with that in my mind because in my mind I was thinking, did I blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Because it was thoughts. It didn't come out of my mouth. But um, so, so I, um, so, so the Lord eventually, after years, the Lord eventually delivered me, and I don't have those thoughts anymore, and I found out it was a demon, but um, one time, my staff is a Christian woman, she said, this is a message from the Lord, she said, be careful, because the enemy wants to put you back into bondage of what the Lord delivered you from, and I wasn't careful when I went on my iPad, and that's those kind of thoughts came back briefly and I need to praise the Lord I know now what to do about it I didn't when I was younger I praise the Lord and he delivered me again and I'm very careful with stuff like that now and I experience full deliverance but I always know the enemy is looking for an open door to put those thoughts back in my mind and as I said I remember I, like I went, one night I had this dream and there's this woman I never saw before in it and she said that, that the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is rejection of the Holy Spirit because when you look at it, the Pharisees, when, when they were attributing Jesus' works to the devil, what were they doing in their hearts about the Holy Spirit? They were seeing the Holy Spirit work through Jesus, and because they're so hard-hearted toward Jesus, they rather attribute what they see to the devil than admit it was the Holy Spirit doing it. And so what were they saying so in instance, they were rejecting the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you think about it, it's rejection of the Holy Spirit, either, th either by you speaking against his character or his work. It could, it could come out as, because it's very dangerous nowadays, because there's some movements that's, uh, I won't say their names, but if they hear someone talking in tongues, they think it's demonic. And only God can judge whether or not they blaspheme the Holy Spirit when they did that. But it's really dangerous ground for people. So it's very important to have spiritual discernment. You know, that's the reason why the Lord said test the spirits. We really need spiritual discernment nowadays. So if it's the Lord, if it's not the Lord, and if you're not being led by the Holy Spirit to judge that, I'll be very careful about making judgments whether someone is, because, because it really, because there's a lot of work. You know, see when God is working and doing miracles, it seems like the devil demons are over time trying to like influence and you know stuff so it's very important to so you know to watch your minds and watch our entertainment and watch stuff because devil demons are always looking for an open door especially nowadays you know close you know close to time Jesus coming back there will be more need for deliverances healings and stuff because you know if God's moving and working like he is devil and demons are moving and working so there'll be so yeah there'll be a lot more need of deliverances more, more like more divine attacks more influences so that's all I'm going to say I think if the Holy Spirit has revealed that to you, then amen, sister, and I'm glad you worked that out. Uh, but I, I did have two thoughts while you were giving your testimony. Um, first of all, 
Welcome to our classroom. <laughs> if you're writing fan fiction, your, your nerd credit is way up there. And, and, and you are among friends here. We are all nerds of different flavors of one kind or another. I don't know if we have a real Harry Potter person, but half the room is Marvel and there's way too many alien people in the room. But anyway, anyway. Uh, having said that, uh, we, 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 we all get a little obsessive over things, uh, myself absolutely included, and I don't feel that I've ever been under demonic uh, influence, and I hope that, that I don't, but uh, I have found myself having to prepare for this lesson, and I usually look at a couple of commentaries off of YouTube presenters, which I, I like on the same subjects, and I'll find myself looking at my feed and thinking, I would really like to know what Doctor Strange is up to. <laughs> and I'll watch, I'll find myself wasting 20 minutes watching ridiculous nerd talk on Marvel movies and realize that I haven't prepared my lesson at all. It's a distractor. Uh, I don't think that, that, that the demons would waste time on me because I'm so easy to distract anyway. I just shoot myself down. They don't have to. So you're probably stronger in that area than I am. But uh, here, here's the thing. I think we need to be careful about those little side pursuits that we all have in order to make sure that we stay focused and not distract us from who we are and what we're supposed to do. I wanted to add the distraction side of that a little bit and uh -huh. say, I've heard a lot of people in church say things like, Pokemon is demonic because it talks about evolution and Harry Potter is evil because witches. But yeah. here's the thing, as someone who has messed with a lot in school and who, as someone who messed with a lot of people in school, you look for the weakness and then you pry at that. Yeah. So it's not necessarily Pokemon is of the devil, it's Pokemon messes with you because the devil sees that that's a weak point in you. It's that Doctor Strange talk distracts you. Right. It's that, you know, for example, for me, horror movies and like Edgar Allan Poe messes who, with me. Who watches that horror movies? Anyway, okay. They freak me out. I watch it like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes, Jennifer, and you are the last say because we are out of time. No? Jennifer's getting a bridge. Oh, okay, okay. And then her, our niece is... All right, we're, we're going to close in prayer, but let's do that in private. So, uh, Internet, I'm signing off now. See you next week. <laughs>